Good morning, Marcel. We're the Klockners. Today's reading comes from Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> oh, awesome. I love those bells. May we all get out our bells and ring them with joy today, this third Sunday of Advent. Before we get started, Christine, I just want to say thank you. It's been an honor to serve alongside you as a sister and to lead alongside of you. That's been very meaningful to me. Um, so God bless you and your whole family in the next season. Yeah. So a quick story to open us up this morning. A couple of weeks ago, my dad noticed a dark, slick, black spot that was accumulating underneath one of our cars. Ash, he told me, you should probably get that checked out. He told Delwyn the same and advised us not to drive the car until the appointment was made, just in case the issue was more serious than we'd imagined. A few days later, we had an appointment scheduled with a mechanic. The report came back, and sure enough, there's a problem with the engine. Unbeknownst to me, it had been slowly leaking oil over time. And because I personally can't tell an oil leak from an oversized ink blot, the problem had only gotten worse. But my dad, because of his years of experience with cars as an auto aficionado, because of his meticulous care for his vehicles over the years, his passion shared with me every single year growing up when we went to the auto show in Houston. He had a knowing that I did not. And because of his care for me as his daughter, he took steps to protect me from potential danger. Some of us have dads like this. Dads who share their knowledge and experience with us, who give us their sage advice and share their best dad jokes, that call or text just to check in. And if we have questions about finances, parenting, business matters, they're there on the other side of the line. No hesitation. Some of you listening this morning, you are those dads. And you take great pride in being there for your kids and your family. Another reality that needs to be named, however, is that some of us don't have dads like this whether it's because they've passed away or because the relationship is strained. They left a long time ago or things stay pretty superficial most of the time. Maybe there's simply a physical distance in this season between you that's been hard to navigate. Whatever it is, you've had to figure out another way. You've had to find love and reassurance from somewhere else. It's hard not to think about our relationships with our dads when we come to these two words in our text for this morning, everlasting father. And in this week of Advent, where we turn our hearts, minds, and souls to joy, some of us experience much pride, gratitude, and joy when thinking about our earthly fathers 
And others of us feel sad, angry, conflicted, or contentedly, nothing at all. It's perhaps quite complicated or confusing to hear this name for the coming Messiah whom we await. Because the only fathers we've ever known, even the best of them, have all been imperfect ones with whom we're given limited time here on the earth. So if even the best are only on loan, and if even the best fall short and disappoint us, what do we do with these two words in the context of this prophecy and for the time we find ourselves in now? The answer, as we know, would come wrapped in human skin. A Messiah who would also inhabit the world with an imperfect earthly father who would one day pass away, but who was begotten as the beloved son of God. This title of everlasting father met Isaiah's listeners in their restlessness and hopes for a caring, benevolent, and secure ruler. And this title meets us in our restlessness and hopes too. Caveat here before we go any further. To avoid any theological confusion, we may hear everlasting father in reference to Jesus and wonder if Isaiah is actually suggesting that Jesus, the son of God, is the same as God the father. The answer is that instead of making a wild Trinitarian claim, Isaiah is instead speaking of the character of the Messiah as the author and creator of eternity. It's like if we were to say today, Father Time, or for you kiddos out there, Father Christmas, with the subject being the source of that thing. We could also understand this name as subjects did in the ancient Near East, where the term father was not only used as the title for a family member, but as the protective and caring ruler of a people. We see this term used later in Isaiah 22 when the Lord spoke saying, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. And previously in Job 29, when Job proclaimed that he was a father to the needy. It's also important to remember, as commentator David Payne notes, that at the time, contemporary kings of Judah had been disastrously advised and powerless in warfare. They had been anything but fathers to their people, and they had achieved neither peace nor prosperity. King Ahaz, who Kyle told us a little bit about last week, cut this deal with the ruthless Assyrians, jeopardizing the economy and well-being of his people. But did you catch what Kyle pointed us to in 2 Kings 16? Ahaz was worshiping false gods, even to the point of sacrificing his own son in fire. That's the kind of father, that's the kind of ruler he was. So within these two words, to have promised to them a forever king who would protect and care for them? Oh, the hope of no longer being failed by temporary, faithless, and careless leadership. And all of a sudden, our own hopes 
might resonate more closely to those held in heart by the people of God in 700 BC than we might realize. And expecting the coming of one called Everlasting Father, we can look forward to a leader who will not fail us. A king who won't cut something even close to a bad deal. An authority who won't abuse or mislead us. A tender, caring, and concerned father-like one who won't throw us into the fire, but who rather protects us and gives his people respite for their weary, frustrated, socially distanced souls. It's one thing to know the prospect of this hope, though. And another thing completely to actually live in it. So how in spaces where we've been failed by our own earthly fathers or other leadership, do we hold on to this hope in a Messiah who is called Everlasting Father? Let's start this morning by re-examining our relationship with time and our reservoirs of care in light of who Jesus is. First, re-examining our relationship with time. We're going to do something right now that I don't believe we've done in this new online reality before, so bear with me. Grace appreciated. We're doing an interactive exercise, okay? So this is great to do as a family if you're watching with children. Um, so wherever you are, assuming you can do this safely and you're not in a moving vehicle or some otherwise compromised position, um, go ahead and stand up and take a step away from your chair. Yes, thank you. Neely, I see you, Troy, Christine, everyone in the room here and at home. Just stand up wherever you are, perhaps at home by your sofa or in your bedroom. Um, and here's what's going to happen. In just a moment, when I say go, you are going to hop up and down on one leg. And then you're going to listen as you do so for the, for the next instructions. Okay, ready? On your marks, get set, go. Hop up and down. Yeah, everyone, get going. Work off that uh, cheese danish or bagel, whatever you're eating at home. Okay, keep hopping. It's feeling a little, it's feeling a little uh, spicy in that, in that leg you're hopping on, right? Okay, now stop and play air guitar. I mean, some of you might be better at this than others. Right, there you go. We've got a full band here in the shed, folks. I see you at home. Okay, keep going, rock out, and stop. Okay, well done, everybody. This was fun. All right, now, yeah, give yourselves a hand. Now, you at home and you here in the shed as well, share with the neighbor just about how long you thought that lasted. From the time I said go to the time I said stop, how long in seconds or minutes did you feel that lasted? Share with the neighbor Write it down. Okay. Now, if you said 32 seconds, you were correct. Now, most people, you can go ahead and take a seat if you're standing. You two at home, get comfy again. Now, most people, when this is done, overestimate the time. And here is why. This exercise was conducted by a storyteller and journalist named Matt Danzico as part of a TED-Ed talk back in 2013. 
And he explained that whenever we experience new, unusual, or dynamic activities like hopping up and down on one leg or playing air guitar in the middle of a sermon, we often miscalculate how much time has passed. Now, if we take that concept and apply it to the past nine months, the science still holds up. In a recent online survey out of the UK, it was found that more than 80% of the 600 plus participants experienced changes in their perception of time during the coronavirus pandemic, just in the past few months. In addition to the reality that the more new experiences we have, the longer time feels, is the fact that according to Dr. Pavan Madan, the more emotions a situation generates, the more we remember it. So you take our current environment, combine less novel experiences, like going to a new restaurant or on a trip that we've been waiting on. You combine that with transitions between, say, work, school, and home rhythms, those being disrupted, and the feeling of being trapped in time persists. The opposite of what just happened with our exercise becomes true. Time passes slowly, and it, we, and it feels like we've been here forever. All to say that in some ways, some of us are aching for time to speed up so we can get through the tragedy and tension of COVID-19 of the presidential election, of the school year, of 2020 as a calendar year, a couple more weeks, we can make it. Whatever it might be, we are trying to make it through to come to a point of relief. You want back what you knew to be true of your life. And yet some of us perhaps want time to slow down. If you're playing outside with the grandkids or taking a much needed nap, or are working at a new hobby or hiding from a toddler in the bathroom, you long for time to pause in place so you can savor the unexpected gift of the present. I saw this tweet not too long ago and I thought it was funny. It says, March again in three months? I'm still processing last March. I can't believe March will be here in three months, Troy. And aren't we still talking about what just happened, right? This is what time does to us. Yes, time heals wounds, but time also puts us through excruciating periods of waiting and anxiety. Time takes away the people we love, and eventually time comes for us all. Here's the point. We have not mastered time, and we never will. No matter what our Google calendars or Apple watches or appointment books might say. And yet, in a time when time seems dizzying and cruel, when history seems unusually hectic, the Messiah comes as master of it. And not just master, but author, creator, originator. The author of time would be born 700 years after this prophecy was given. And yet in John's gospel, Jesus said in chapter 8, before Abraham was born, I am. 
In Hebrews 1, in the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. You remain the same and your years will never end. In John 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. We have not mastered time, and yet Jesus is the creator of it. Maybe comfort for you like it comes for me comes this morning knowing that regardless of how tumultuous and unnerving the present age might be or how we're processing the experiences of our own lives, the present age does not frazzle or catch the Messiah off guard. For the whole of time submits to the power of his word and hand. He's not frazzled or caught off guard by your financial situation. He's not frazzled or caught off guard by political unrest or the refugee crisis or homelessness. He's not frazzled or caught off guard by your illness or complex family situations. He sees the engine leak and yet he doesn't panic because Jesus, our Messiah, has had years, no, eternity's worth of experience. When we can't make sense of time, church, we still have hope because he is and was and is to come. The Messiah is everlasting. So the first question I invite us to consider this morning, invite the spirit into this. What do you rely on to make sense of time? For me, I'll go first. It's busyness. If I can just get through this part of the day, or the week, or perhaps the hour, or somehow speed up the feeling of discomfort or anxiety, then it's not so bad. Distractions like sleep, distractions like keeping my mind lost in a book, or tackling my Christmas shopping with a force of efficiency, or you know, just a casual DIY kitchen remodel, I'm looking at Delwyn. But in relying on these other things to make sense of time, I catch myself asking the question, what opportunity of presence am I missing out on? How might the spirit be using this discomfort in time to shape, form, or grow something new, just as Mary's discomfort was evidence of new life growing inside of her? What do you rely on to make sense of time? And do those things invite you to more presence and expectancy? Or do they really serve as welcome distractions from the discomfort of the present age? Here's our reminder from Colossians 1. This Messiah, he is before all things and in him. In him. In him all things hold together. This is excellent news for those of us who feel like time is tearing us apart. But it's not just our relationship with time we must consider, it's our reservoirs of care. A second question is a simple one, really. Who or what do you allow to care for you? Especially now. Church, Jesus as everlasting father is not just a great timekeeper or project manager of history. 
He is also a good shepherd who cares for you and me, his sheep. As we consider our second question, I must also ask, is there anything in your life you feel is too insignificant for Jesus to care about right now? I'll show you what it is for me. It's this picture. This is my grandmother. Last week marked the four-year anniversary of her passing. For me, time does feel like it's blending together. Every day I have to ask, what date is it? And because of that, this anniversary that's so important crept up on me and I almost felt ashamed of it. It's not COVID related. It's not politics related. It's not money related. But I really, really miss her and her wisdom in my life. And amidst all the other big stuff, I choose to believe that in Jesus is a good shepherd who knows me. And he cares about that loss. It's not lost on him. Marcel, I can think of at least a dozen, dozen families right now who are tuning in and you're deeply grieving something. Just over Thanksgiving, Dawn and I visited three of your families from a distance just to process death with you. And in, just in case you end up feeling like your grief or your loss is insignificant or lost in the shuffle, it's not. This king isn't one who rules to our detriment, tossing an apathetic eye to our cares. No. In John 10, he tells us, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. And my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Unlike Ahaz, Judah's ruler, Jesus doesn't sacrifice us. He's the king that sacrificed for us that we might have life abundantly apart from our sin and even in the midst of our pain and suffering. In all the cares that you're carrying, do you feel that anything is too insignificant for Jesus? If so, ask yourself what you're allowing instead to be the person or thing that you let care for you. Because if the Lord is your shepherd, if you allow the Lord to care for you, yes, even now, it may not look like what we want it to, but you will lack for nothing. You have everything you need. There will come a day when my dad won't be able to alert me to an oil leak. There will be a day when I can't turn to him for protection or safety. Perhaps you've been processing that as a reality for a while, a feeling of being cared for and protected, and that being not a reality anymore. Maybe not by a father, by a leader, a pastor, or politician. The good news with Jesus and our reason for joy this morning, with him being our everlasting father, is that we are not abandoned. 
Jesus as author and creator of time and creation, having spoken it into existence, everything, everything has relationship to him. That includes you and me. And he cares for you. He called you good, tov. Will we trust him in this time? One resource that's been such a surprise gift to me in this Advent season has been a book by Scott Erickson called Honest Advent. And I skipped ahead to the week where he writes about Everlasting Father. And there's this beautiful picture that he created of the symbol of infinity being a child's hand and a father's grasp. And I want us to remember this image that though it's it's almost impossible for us to comprehend the mystery of Jesus as everlasting before Abraham, and yet he's coming again. And even after that, he will still be I am. He is also so tender enough to touch, to come, to be incarnate as flesh amongst us. So as we keep waiting, Mars Hill, for a new year, for fresh vision for our church, comfort, a cure, a job, a baby, redemption, healing, whatever you are waiting on, may we put time and our propensity to want to control it back in his hands remembering that in him all things hold together and that we've not been left to fend for ourselves. This Advent, we remember the promise now that was made of the prophecy then. This Advent, we celebrate the everlasting Father who would say in John 14 as he gave us the Holy Spirit, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will come to you. Church, he sees your spill. He sees his church and he sees the spill. He sees the spill and yet he's always right. <laughs> and he's always right on time. And he's coming. So as we come to the table... This meal is a tangible reminder that Jesus was called everlasting father, and yet he was the son of God who died. While we were yet sinners, Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And because of that work on the cross, we are not orphans. We are loved. We are cared for. We are secure in his grip. And so we come this morning to this table asking God to examine our hearts and our relationship with time, our trust in him, our readiness and our willingness to allow him to care for us, to nourish us this morning. And even if time does not make sense to us, he is creator of it. May this meal this morning give us the courage and the nourishment and the ability to so love others. So it is in that spirit that I say, the Lord be with you.
Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So pray with me now, Holy Spirit. Alpha and Omega, everlasting to everlasting. Do today, this Sunday in December of 2020, which you've been doing for ages. Come, dwell here with us through this meal. May this meal nourish us, body and soul. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Friends, we are joined by brothers and sisters that we cannot see, both here in West Michigan, around our country, all around the world, who are living in this reality and tension of both the confines of time and yet allowing this God to love us because of this mystery. And so we proclaim this this morning, and as you do, imagine someone else proclaiming it with you. For you are not alone. The Holy Spirit is with us, but we as the body are with each other as well. The mystery is this, that Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. So church, now receive who you are. The body of Christ. Christ.